You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Good morning, Stonegate. Good morning. Let me try this, try this one more again. Good morning, Stonegate. Ah, that sounds a whole lot better right there. I like that. I like that. Listen, I need y'all to respond this morning. Amen. And uh, there's an amen here. Hey, it won't hurt me. I promise you to help me. So your, your, your amens might cause me sit, to sit down a lot faster. And that's good for all of us in the room. Amen. Somebody's catching. All right. Okay. Okay. So, we, so we're there. Hey, my name again is Valentine, man. And I met and I serve here at this great gathering, man, and I'm excited to be, uh, to be proclaiming God's gospel, his word this morning to you, and I pray that you would be challenged and blessed as I have been in studying and uh, really just, just applying this idea, this, this truth in my own life. And so with that being said, man, we're going to find our way to 1 John, chapter, uh, 1 John beginning at chapter 4, verse 7. But prior to going there, if you were here on last Sunday, uh, Rodney preached Acts 9 about the conversion of Paul. Uh, how Paul, how he collided with the loving God and a saving Savior by the impression and unction of the Holy Spirit. That from that day, Paul's life was never the same. Paul would say that it was from that day that this idea of God's love, it constrained, it controlled him. That the day that love met a sinner, the sinner was never the same. That love won in Paul's life. So you can go back just a few chapters in John. John is kind of hearing the same message in Christ. John, he writes that Christ gives a new commandment that we ought to love one another just as Christ has loved us. He says, and by this, all people would know that you are my disciples because you love one another. John is intrigued by this, 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 this truth of love. That it is, it is to such a real sense that in 1 John chapter 2, 3, and 4, he unpacks even more of this idea of, of what it means for us to love one another. And so I want John to encourage us, man, that man, that if there is that John would say that Christ said that if there is one thing that should be evident of our collision with a loving father and a saving Christ is this branding of love in our lives. That Christians should be known for loving. That man, that when you leave a room or when you leave a conversation or when you're in the room, man, there's this, there's this aroma of love left in real life because God has placed you there. 
people should be attracted to God because of your love for them. And so today I'm going to, that's, that's my pit, three main things, and I'm going to, then, I, then I'm going to sit down somewhere. I'm praying that God will uh, today just unpack for us who is the source of love, who is, who is the inspiration of love, and how we are called in that to practice love. But before I get into the source of love, there is a definition that we've borrowed here at Stonegate from David Paul Tripp, who actually defines love, I think, we think, in a very great way. Uh, he defines love as this. Love is willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is designed or is deserving. Let me read that again. Love is a willing self-sacrifice for the good of another that does not require reciprocation or that the person being loved is deserving. Just by that definition and the, and the realization of that definition seen in Christ for me and in my pursuit of studying this text, I was convicted to go to my wife and say, woe is me. I have failed loving you like Christ has loved me often. See, I can easily compare myself to the next Joe and feel good about myself. But when I compare myself in Scripture to how Christ has loved me and is still loving me, I fail in comparison to loving my wife. So around about 6 a.m. in the morning, I tapped her on the shoulder. Hey, I'm, I'm convicted. Let's talk about this thing here. I definitely can't go up and preach a sermon that I have not really uh, 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 made good on with you, amen? And so can, we, can I holler at you just for a second? And I began to confess that I failed loving you consistently as Christ has loved me. But even in that moment, we was able to praise Jesus that when I have failed and how I, when I will fail, that God is faithful to love you completely, to love you deeply in a way that will, that will forever change your life. So I don't know if we have in here some people who are perfect in this area that you've got love nailed down. I mean, I mean when we think of love, we think of you. If that's you, you, you just lied, amen? <laughs> we all, in some sense, have failed and our love for each other. But in that, we have the grace to praise God for Jesus. Because here is a man who submitted his life in speech and action, 
never to sin against God, but always to be submitted to the love of God in his creation completely, that we might trust in him for a perfect salvation. That is something to be praiseworthy. That is something to praise God for that he's done for us in Christ. So when I look at this definition of love, there's a source of love that I want to talk about. That where do we, where is this, where do we get the, the power, the energy, the ability to love as such, to be a willing self-sacrifice, always seeking the good for the other, not requiring reciprocation, even when a person doesn't deserve it. Where do we get that kind of love from? I'm so glad to ask. John, 1 John 4, 7 says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is, underlined, from God. Love is out of God. That when you see any trace of love, Hear me on this, either, even believer or unbeliever, any trace of love is from God. Even in his common grace, he allows those who are not his to love. It's his common grace. But yet, man, he gives us this divine ability to, to love. So love is from God. Why? Because John says in verse 8 and 16, love God is love. He is not saying that love is God. Love describes God, but God defines love. And since God is love, see, if, if love is God, well, love would have to have been eternal. It could have been. But God is eternal. So God is love, and love existed before the world was formed because God is his very essence, his nature and character is love. So, he's not saying love is God. He's saying that God is love. He's not saying in this that God is loving, though that is true. God is loving. He's not saying in this that, 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 that one of God's activities is love. No, that's true, but what he's really saying is this, is that all of God's activity is loving because he is love. That because love is his very essence. He's always seeking for the greater good and good of mankind. Even in the midst of suffering and in, in the midst of tragedy. Listen to me. Tragedy and suffering and sickness and death, they, they would never subtract from God who is love. God, he's always, he never, suffering does not subtract his goodness or his love. He is that. In the midst of a world that man that says, man, why, how can a God uh, allow bad things to happen to good people? Well, just look at the cross. <laughs> Even at the cross, we see a great display of God's love. 
Even when the son is saying, Father, Father, why, have, why hast thou forsaken me? God is still love. God is the source of love. But in that, he proves his love. Look with me at verse 9. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us. John is saying that the love of God is realized in the incarnation of Christ. The fact that God would sin, that God the Father would sin, God the Son in sinful, uh, sinful flesh is a sign that God loves. One guy said this about this idea of Christ is the unveiling of God's heart. He is God, displayed visibly before the world. That the incarnation of his son is proof that God loves. But not only is the manifestation or the incarnation proof, he says that the, that the propitiation of Christ for sin is also proof that God's love. Look at verse 10. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he, has, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Now, that's a word that I have a hard time saying, even, even sometimes. But when you think of the word propitiation, two things should, should come to mind, two things. If God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and it says, and foreseeing that he condemned sin in the flesh, that, that, that here's what God, here's what it means that, 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 that Christ, he was the propitiation of our sins, that number one, that Christ on the death, he absolved all of God's wrath for us. That we never have to worry about experiencing in the present or in the future God's wrath whatsoever. That God, because of his love, will always handle his kids in perfect love. Because Christ absolved all the wrath. And see, how? which means that if God is love, it says that one day God's going to also display his wrath. That God can be loving and display wrath all at the same time and still be God and still be love. Because he's a just, he's a holy God. Hence, he sent his son. To, to, to absolve all the wrath, but also to reconcile us to the Father. This is proof that him being the, the propitiation of our sins, he's, he satisfied the Father. In turn, he absolved all the wrath, and at the same time, he reconciled, he restored us back to God. 
he, in a sense, he undid or undone, or he undid, he, he undone what Christ, what the first Adam did in the garden that causes us all now to enjoy this, 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 this relationship with the creator of all. And when did he do this? Paul says, and yet while we were helpless sinners and enemies, God, he demonstrated his love for us by sending his son to die for us. He's the source of love, and he's also proven his love. But not only is God the, the, the source of love, God is the inspiration of love. Look at verse 11. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to, we ought to love one another. Look what John is saying. That because God so loved us, this word so is cold-blooded. This word so in the original is, is actually the first word in this verse. It shows you how deeply God loved us. Paul tried to explain it in Ephesians chapter 3 when he said that God, God's love for mankind, is, it surpasses our understanding so wide, so deep, so infinite that we can't even, we, we, listen, we'll never grasp how much he loves us. We'll, we'll never comprehend. It's, it's, it's above your IQ. It's above your pay grade to understand how much the creator of mankind, who created mankind to bestow his goodness on, loves you. The fact that he sent his son to die for all wretch like ourselves, that's, that's love. And he says, but man, that because we've been loved so, that should inspire us to love. See, we have the greatest motivator of love himself. And that's God loving us first. He's causing us to love. See, if you're like me, wife should be at work doing her thing. On a Monday, I'll be off doing my thing, vacuuming, washing dishes. Folding clothes, getting the house all fresh for her that when she come home, she just praises me. You're such a loving husband. But there have been some Mondays where I've done all of this and even cleaned up the dog's poop in the backyard. That's her dog. Not my dog, that's her dog. I clean the dog poop. Get the house all clean, tight, and fresh. She comes in and says nothing. <laughs> Hello? Do you smell that? Do you see that? And yet there is nothing. See, see. And when she does that, I quickly shut off. 
I get mad. Get an attitude because I'm trying to get her. I, I'm trying to get her to love me because I've shown her love. But God said, no, 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 no. You love her because I have loved you. You don't look for her from love. No, you can't. And you, and so you know she loves you, but she's a sinner just like you are. And the only person that loves you consistently and the same is myself, son, not your wife. And I don't know, man, maybe, the, I mean, I mean, I mean so, 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 so if, if God is the inspiration of love and we ought to look for him to love, y'all, we have misplaced our love if we're not found loving despite those not loving us. See, he is the motivation. He is the reason why we love, not the people he created. We ought to look to the creator for the means and strength and why we love. We love because he has showered us with his love. But John also says in verse 11, by this again, so if by this, we know he loved, and he says in verse, in verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. We are inspired to love because we have received his spirit. Romans 5 says he has actually poured out his love to us in the, in the giving of us his Holy Spirit. So, not only are we inspired to love because he's loved us, but because he's given us the ability to love by his spirit. Let me just say this. We in our old sinful nature will, will, will be unable to love others as God has loved us in Christ in our flesh. He has to give us someone to help us. And here is the beauty of God. What he demands, he supplies. He's never going to demand something he's not willing to supply to make happen. So he loves us, and then, and then he also gives us the Holy Spirit to help us, watch this, according to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, to imitate the love of God. That because of this, we're able to walk in love and to love just as Christ loved and gave up himself for us. We're able to imitate that, y'all. Verse 12 says that people, that, 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 that most people, no one has ever seen God. But, but when we love in such a way and we trust in his spirit to lead us and, and know that, that he abides in us to, to do these things, that people are actually able to see God by how we love others. Imagine that. Imagine that. You, we have the privilege and the opportunity to represent God in such a way that in how we love, people think about God. Isn't that amazing? I know y'all saying, yeah, that, that sounds good, but where is it at? You know, I mean, I mean, I mean, we don't see it a lot. He's loved us and given us his spirit 
that we might imitate, mimic, pay at his kind of love for us to people. When's the last time you imitated God's love? That you walked, that love was your lifestyle. And that people thought about him when you loved him. We have this awesome privilege and honor to imitate. So the source of love is God himself. He's proven that by his incarnation of the son, by the, exp- uh, by the, by the propitiation of Christ being for us, our, uh, for our sins. He's also inspired us to love by first loving us and then also giving us his spirit to love. So with all of that is done for us to do one thing, and that is to practice love. Look at 1 John 4, 17. He says, by this love is perfected with us. God's love is not perfected in us by perception or experience. Hear me out. God's love is not complete or maturing or being accomplished in us by simply us knowing about it and having experienced it. God's love is is perfected in us by practicing love towards others. That the more we practice love, the more we perfect love. But what causes us from not doing that is fear. Listen, can I... I don't know if y'all know my story about just my dad and I. Uh, I did not meet my dad until I was about 17 years old. And, And then... When I met him, we just didn't get along. I mean, I wasn't saved, wanted nothing to do with him. It was just, it just wasn't there. But in April of, of actually 99, God saved me. Came from Tennessee, landed here in Texas, and was called in to, I feel like God said, man, pursue your, your father, who looks like me, talks like me. He is my daddy. And God said, pursue him. And I did that for years. But it didn't come out, but it did not come without hurt. Rejection. And yet God still said, love him that there needs to be a willingness that when he opens up, you need to be ready to, to with self-sacrifice to love him, to do good for him, not wanting it to be, not wanting it to be reciprocated, but knowing that even if he does not deserve it, you're called to love him, son. Why? Because I have loved you. And y'all, let me tell you, I was fearful because I did not want to be hurt. 
I didn't want to be rejected. Now, that's the immediate context of fear. Is that a lot of us, we don't love because, man, there's, just hurt. there's hurt involved. There's going, to be, there's going to be rejection involved. There's going to be you opening up yourself to really learn that God can be a healer. See, we fall in love with the idea that God is a healer without wanting to be hurt. He's a healer. Just don't heal me. But y'all, let me tell you something. Every time I perceived that my hurt for my father was so deep, God healed him. To where now, I'm loving him. My father got saved on a conversation like three or four weeks ago. And we chilling. He's coming to home groups now every once in a while. But that came at a cost. It came with a cost. It came with me at, at times fearing that, man, I'm going to be hurt again. Now I have a, son, now I have a daughter that, that, that now he's lied to, and I got to open her up to this and to son. And God says, son, I can heal. Love comes with a cost. Listen to me. The more I practice love on my father, the more I practice love on my neighbor, he is perfecting me. He is changing me. That now in the future when I stand before God and he in the beamer seat of, of judgment with Christ, that when God looks down and he begins to, uh, 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 to, to actually reward me or to judge me, not based off of salvation, but based off good works done for the good of others and for his glory, I can stand with confidence that I loved my father well. See, I know y'all saying, man, that, that, you're going to be judged as a, as a Christian? So I can see the, the look in your eyes. So feast your eyes on the screen. In its context, it's talking about those been absent in the body, been present with the Lord, that we walk by faith and not by sight. And so, he's, so Paul, he's actually addressing believers. But look what Paul says in verse 10 of chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This is the judgment, again, not regarding us in our, in our relationship with the Father, but the idea of rewards after being saved. Every Christian will have to give an account. Every Christian and just, let's just talk about this morning and look. One day you got to stand before God and give God a reason why you, you didn't love somebody because you put on them conditions. When God did not put any on you. I know I'm going to use myself today as a bullseye. I know that y'all said, how can I love Valentine? And he has on that shirt. It's kind of hard to love you when you got on that shirt. 
I, I don't dress like, like you. I don't sound like you. I don't look like you. I don't have the education that you might have. And for some of us, we've allowed those to be reasons why I couldn't and can't love somebody. And God has said, how is that possible when you've been the recipient of such a deep and grave love? How can you all of a sudden now put conditions on somebody when there's none on you in my love for you? He's going to judge you. Not based on salvation. Now, please hear me out on that. In fact, let me just make something really clear. The ultimate ground for, of Christian assurance, including confidence on the judgment day, is not to be found in our ability to love now. However, uh, uh, however but in God's prior love for us in Christ Jesus. If you have been up and mostly down on this area of love, like I have, your lack of love is not going to send you to heaven or hell. What you do with Christ will. And that's why we can trust that God, that God in Christ, that, that Christ, he has loved the Father and he's loved his creation perfectly without sin. So we throw ourselves on him, the idea of love. But, but because we do that, he now moves us to love. We still, as sons and daughters of a loving and gracious God, we have the responsibility to love people. My neighbors, Vin is Buddhist, TJ is Muslim. And because sometimes of their belief, I've put on them conditions on why I should not look out for the greater good. I've, me, have put conditions on somebody and why I should not love them. I know there's nobody in here, but for every church outside of Midlothian, we deal with this issue of love. Don't do this physically, but just imagine your neighbors to, to, to your left and right. Have I loved them as Christ have loved me? The neighbors to your front and rear, have I loved them as Christ have loved me? Am I willing to become a self-sacrifice in a sense for their good? and do good to them, not wanting it to be reciprocated. Even if they are not to be deserving, am I willing to love them as Christ has loved me? When we decide to love, when we decide to do these good acts, when we decide to do good, in a gentle and compassionate way for the good of others and for the glory of God, God is well pleased. One guy has said that simply love is good in action. That's my friend, homie, John Piper. 
Love is simply good in action. Our act, love, is a good and gentle act done for the glory of God and for the good of others. And listen to me when I say this. Let this text, let, this, let me borrow again the definition of, of a Paul trip and then read for you one text that I pray would really bless you. John Piper says, again, love is the, is, is the willing self-sacrifice, again, for the good of another. It's not to be ill will. It's to do good for the other person. It's to make an observation, to see what is the greatest good for this person, my boss, co-worker, mom, dad, sister, brother, enemy. What is the greatest, and the greatest good for all of us is Jesus. Let's get, make that clear. But we're also called to do good, to meet the needs of our people. And look what the writer of Hebrews has to say. Six, six nine. Let this bless you. It blesses me. Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things. Things that belong to salvation. Verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. Every ounce of good that we do for others, for the glory of God, he's going to reward us. He has this built-in reward system to motivate us to do good that his name might be made much of. Does that not motivate you to, to, to do good? Not only that he has loved me, that he's given me his spirit, but now he wants to reward me for the good he's ordained in my life to happen. He's preordained good works for us to walk in. They are not even your works. Are, they are his works. That, he's, that, 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 that even before the earth was, was formed, I want, that I want Valentine one day to love his father so well that his daddy comes to salvation. And who gets the glory in that? I do not, Valentine. And he's going to reward me for that. That's amazing. That's love. He will not overlook the smallest good that you do for the glory of him. Let me end with this quote by Augustine. What does love look like? It has hands to help others. It has the feet to hasten to the poor and needy. It has eyes to see misery and want. It has ears to hear and sighs and 
uh, the, the sighs and sorrows of men. This is what love looks like. And my prayer is that we would ask God for hands to help, feet to hasten, eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to feel that we might love others just as God in Christ has loved us. Stone gators, visitors, children of God, let's be branded. Let's be marked. Let's be people who decide to love no matter what because he's loved us in Christ. If you won't change, Love is a great place to start. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. And we, and we love you. It's amazing that we can say that. That we can say that we love you. But it's only because you first loved us. And for that, Father, I wanted to just praise you for that. That we have this unique ability to imitate you in our love. That we're called to walk in love. To be known by our love. And it's all you're doing. And so we thank you sons and daughters. But for the person or people who are in the room, again, his love is just not for those who've, who are saved. The Bible says that God, he so loved the world that he gave his only unique begotten son. His one and only son. That whosoever believe in him might live, might enjoy eternal life and not perish. Father, my prayer is that someone in here will, will come to know you because of the love. And Father, we're so glad that you sent your son while we were helpless, while we were Sinners, while we were enemies, and you demonstrated your love, and you sent him, and he died, and now his, he died with his hands open, welcoming all who might come. Will you please accept this lovely invitation this morning to embrace the love of God, realize through his son that you, that you might enjoy him Forever. Father, we can say that we love you. And we thank you. We ask it all in his lovely name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. 
for service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.